98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top story is Paul Chan warns of an economic typhoon as the US looks set to pass the Hong Kong Human Rights Act. An executive councillor says people shouldn't expect too much from the chief executive's dialogues and impeachment proceedings gather momentum against President Trump. The Financial Secretary Paul Chan said it's very likely that the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act will be passed by the US Congress as it has bipartisan support. The bill would oblige Washington to make annual assessments of Hong Kong's level of autonomy to decide whether it should keep its separate status from that of the mainland under US law. The act could also lead to sanctions against officials. Mr Chan said the bill won't affect the SAR's economy immediately, but it may affect the investment atmosphere. He also painted a grim picture of the local economy, saying an economic typhoon signal number three is now in force. It is highly likely that we would be registering a quarter-on-quarter negative growth again for the third quarter. If that is the case, then technically we will be in recession. We are monitoring the situation very closely and see what the government can do to support our SMEs and to sustain employment. Executive Councillor Ip Kwok Him says it's impractical to expect the Chief Executive, Carrie Lam, to agree to all the protesters' demands, saying that setting up an independent probe into allegations of police brutality would be a blow to the force. Mrs Lam held the first of her dialogues on Thursday with 130 people in Queen Elizabeth Stadium. Mr Ip said people shouldn't expect one or two conversations can end the current chaos, but that it's better to have a dialogue between the government and the people than not. He added that he supports implementing a law against protesters wearing masks as it would deter violent demonstrators. But Democratic Party lawmaker James Toe questioned whether the dialogue was just a show. He said the authorities have banned a peaceful march planned for October 1st, National Day, showing their unwillingness to listen to non-violent protesters' voices. He also criticised the chief executive for failing to propose new measures to defuse tensions. He added that if an anti-mask law is implemented, then there will be greater opposition because it won't stop the violent protesters, while people's right to expression will be undermined. Many organizations, statutory organizations, will retaliate against those who have demonstrated against the government or any company who may have some deal with the Chinese investor or you may even be an airline staff or a China state-owned corporation staff. I think you have every right, every worry to put on your mask for a peaceful demonstration, but the anti-mask law will take away your right. But this law has no effect on those so-called extreme violent protesters. Why? Because if they commit very violent offense, they have already already attracted the risk of several years of immediate custodial imprisonment. China's foreign minister has told the United Nations General Assembly the trade dispute between Beijing and Washington could plunge the world into recession. In a blunt address, Wang Yi said erecting walls would not resolve global challenges and blaming others for one's own problems didn't work. President Trump started imposing additional tariffs on Chinese imports 15 months ago, complaining of unfair trading practices. Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives have stepped up their impeachment inquiry into President Trump by ordering his Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, to hand over documents relating to the administration's dealings with Ukraine. It's alleged Mr. Trump abused his powers by putting pressure on his Ukrainian counterpart to investigate the Democratic presidential frontrunner, Joe Biden. The BBC's David Willis reports. 
The deposition orders were sent out on behalf of the Chairman of the House Foreign Affairs, Intelligence and Oversight Committees, which are investigating the extent to which President Trump jeopardized national security in his dealings with the government of the Ukraine. A subpoena issued to Mike Pompeo relates to documents concerning meetings between members of his staff and members of the Ukrainian government. Two previous deadlines for producing those documents have been missed, and he has now been given a week in which to comply with the committee's demand. Downing Street has reacted angrily to the referral of the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson to a police watchdog, calling the move nakedly political. It's alleged that when Mr Johnson was Mayor of London, US businesswoman Jennifer Arcuri was allowed to go on overseas trade missions for which she'd previously been turned down, and she received over US dollars in sponsorship money. Here's the BBC's David Sanford. The monitoring officer at the Great London Authority has now decided to call in the IOPC, the police watchdog, to ask them to assess whether Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, should be investigated for misconduct in public office. And the reason why the IOPC is relevant is because when he was Mayor of London, he was also in charge of London's Metropolitan Police, so it falls to them to give advice on that. Now, Boris Johnson has always denied these allegations, saying he's always acted with propriety and has said that he's very proud of his time as London Mayor. You're listening to RTHK. The time is just after five minutes past one. Half a million schoolchildren, university students and adults have marched through the Canadian city of Montreal in another climate strike inspired by the Swedish activist Greta Thunberg. Organisers said it was the largest gathering ever in Quebec province. Ms Thunberg addressed the crowd. When we are older, we will be able to look our children in the eyes and say that we did everything we could back then. That is our moral duty. And, and we will never stop doing that. We will never stop fighting for the living planet and for a safe future, for our future. Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan has warned that blood will flow when India lifts its curfew in the disputed region of Kashmir. In a fiery speech to the United Nations General Assembly, Mr Khan pointed pointed to the presence of almost a million Indian troops in the Muslim-majority territory currently enforcing a curfew. He predicted a popular backlash once the curfew and internet restrictions are lifted. What is going to happen when the curfew is lifted will be a bloodbath. The people will come out. There are 900,000 troops there. They haven't come to, as Narendra Modi says, he's done this for prosperity of Kashmir. This is supposed to be for the development. These 900,000 troops, what are they going to do? There'll be a bloodbath. The former president of Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe, is to be buried later today in a simple private ceremony in his rural homeland. His final resting place has been the subject of a dispute between his family and the government since he died earlier this month. His state funeral was held two weeks ago. The BBC's Shingai Naoka reports from Harare. Robert Mugabe, a colossal figure in African and Zimbabwean politics, will receive a very ordinary burial. The private ceremony will be held in the village where as a child he herded cattle in the rolling farmland and played with his friends. It was a last-minute change of plans. Some believe his family wanted to honor his wishes. The burial site at Jimba near his mother and brothers is a far cry from the grand mausoleum on a hilltop that was being constructed for him at the exclusive war hero's shrine in Harare. 
To sport now, and the Kenyan Ruth Chepingich has won the Women's Marathon at the World Athletics Championships in Qatar, beating her one-time compatriot, the Bahraini Rose Chalimo, in a race run in the middle of the night. Despite the late start, Chepingich had to endure temperatures of around 30 degrees and high humidity, and her winning time was more than 15 minutes slower than the world record. Behind her, many of the runners failed to cope with the gruelling conditions, with one competitor being taken away in an ambulance and another in a wheelchair. And now with a look ahead to this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. Tottenham's manager Maurizio Pochettino led the side to a Champions League final under four months ago. But now he's facing serious concerns about results and team spirit going into a crucial match against his former club Southampton. They lost to Leicester City last Saturday and then suffered a shock defeat in the League Cup to Colchester, a team from the fourth tier of English football. After that stunning loss, Pochettino says he needs time to overcome the different agendas in the squad. Elsewhere, after beating Everton last weekend, Sheffield United play another Merseyside club, inform Liverpool, who have won six out of six. Frank Lampard won his first home game since taking over as manager of Chelsea this week when they thrashed Grimsby in the Cup. Now he's hoping to break his Stamford Bridge duck in the Premier League against Brighton. Leicester City are looking to follow up their win over Tottenham when they welcome Newcastle United to the King Power Stadium. After scoring eight against Watford, champions Manchester City take on underperforming Everton. And talking of Watford, they have a chance to move off the bottom of the table when they meet another struggler, second-bottom Wolverhampton Wanderers. They're the only Premier League side who are yet to win this season. That was the BBC's John Bennett. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Paul Chan warns of an economic typhoon as the US looks set to pass the Hong Kong Human Rights Act. An executive councillor says people shouldn't expect too much from the chief executive's dialogues and impeachment proceedings gather momentum against President Trump. The news from RTHK. Welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week, we have a mixed bag of a lot of things. We have a new selection of hot new hits from the four corners of the planet and a sampling of new hits from recent EPs, LPs, and one-off collaborations. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off our sampling of hot new tracks with, quite simply, the very first single of her debut studio album from newcomer Aitana from Spain. The track is called Nada Sale Mal, Spanish for literally nothing comes out bad or more colloquially, nothing goes wrong. Her debut studio album is called Spoiler and uh, the track is on the charts now. Uh, she herself has been making waves for the last two years. She came out as the number two to beat on the Operación Triunfo 2017 TV voice contest uh, reality show. Uh, she represented Spain at the, the Eurovision 2018 
with the song Lo Malo, The Bad, and now she's coming out with her first hit from her f- debut album, no less. Aitana, full name Aitana Ocaña Morales, from uh, not far from Barcelona, specifically San Clemente de Llobregat, uh, suburb, uh, and she's based now in Madrid, and her career is in full swing. So let's have a listen to Nada Sale Mal, which incorporates the Spanish guitar with a tango flamenco vibe. Hoy te propongo que seas mío, pero no sé por cuánto tiempo. Yo la verdad no he decidido si es para siempre, para un momento. Sin saber qué va a pasar. Y así dejarnos llevar Y si jugamos 